Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. I am Alex Jones today, your host, and with me is, as always, is the uh, always awesome, always fantastic, truly spectacular, the one and only, it's Jamie. How you doing? Wow. I'm doing well. I like watching you scramble a little bit as you realize you have to come up with a couple of adjectives to describe me. I must say, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with this week's choices. Oh, no, you're, you're, you're worth it, mate. I give you all the adjectives you need. Don't worry. Thank you. I, maybe sl- slip in a sexy somewhere next time. Just to, you know, I don't know. Just, I'm just pushing the boat out a little bit. See what happens. Sex, very, very sexy. We'll add that next time. We'll put that in. Uh, hello to and chat. Slim. And slim, slim and sexy. Yeah. Thank you. Hello to everyone in chat who's joined us. Thank you very much for the person who pointed out the fact that I'd left something uh, in the description which wasn't supposed to be there because I've now deleted it. Well, hey. Hooray. That's progress, gents. Um, today's going to be extra exciting, Jamie, um, as I was just telling you, because my mouse has decided to freak out. Um, and, oh my God, okay, I'm going to try and disable the streamer mode banner on your thing and it's probably going to break everything. Gonna do it. Wait, you're going to try and do what? Why would you? Tr- why would you risk anything right now? We're okay. We're okay. We're all good. So just before we put we click live, my mouse went mental, and now it's now not clicking things. It's highlighting everything and clicking at the same time, which is kind of interesting. Um, but we'll get there. But it has a tendency when I click on something, it kept trying to close everything down as well, which I'm not really sure what it's doing. Anyway, gremlins aside, uh, all of that stuff aside, the fact that my mouse wheel is working again, which is good because that wasn't working. I can actually look at the uh, document we've got in front of us. Um, we have a pretty decent show for you, given the fact that this was a relatively meager week. We've scoured the internets and our brains to find some interesting little tidbits of gaming goodness uh, that we're going to bring to you today. So we're going to be touching on the leak of the new PlayStation 5 Pro, and we're going to be asking each other, uh, is it actually needed? Um, so we'll get into that. We're going to be talking about uh, the PlayStation Spider-Man 2 um, controller that is out there, and also the trailer for Spider-Man 2 which was put out this week. And we're also going to be chatting about Ubisoft and the fact that they are trying to stop you gaming, Jamie. Yeah, if there's one thing Eve doesn't want consumers doing, it's actually playing video games and finding out how every single one they make is A, the same, and B, quite bad. Indeed, indeed. Oh, that's someone's... actually not true. That's, just, that's, an, that's a recycled Ubisoft meme. I apologize, folks. Shellshock in chat has just said, I can't see Jamie anymore. Why would you click things? Can you see Jamie? You can see Jamie. Or I can see Jamie. And the stream said, I think, I think they're teasing me now. Uh, I don't know. I hope they're teasing you. I like the idea of that. You you do have a bit of a death wish, like, to start flicking stuff. The fact that we managed to go live and both our faces were at one point visible, I think that was progress enough. Do you know what it is? My OBS, when it minimizes and comes back, for some somehow, some way, it is connected to Discord so that it pr- puts the streamer banner um, across the top of the video. And so every time I click on OBS, it comes back and puts the banner back and says, uh, do you want to enable streamer mode? And I have to click disable, otherwise you'd have a purple banner at the top of your head the entire time. So I had to disable it, Jamie. Had to disable it for the fifth time today. I was worried it was going to mess everything up. It was okay. It wasn't too bad. Um, If you are new to the Super Show, as I'm sure maybe one or two of you are out there, we are a video game news podcast uh, going live every week. Um... So thank you very much for joining us. You can reach out to us on YouTube and at Twitter, uh, or X, as it suits be known. Oh, um, God. At, at Super Show Pod. We're also available across all the major podcasting platforms. I'm talking Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you might happen to pick up your podcasts. And we are also live on Paisley Radio. Well, not live, sorry, pseudo live on paisleyradio.com. Thursdays at 10 p.m. and repeated on Mondays 
at 10 p.m. We're also on YouTube, if you didn't know that. So you can watch our little faces as we do the podcast if you'd rather see us as well as listen to us live this week so we can actually engage with people in the chat a little bit when we have time to or when there's an appropriate segue yes we will we yeah sometimes we pre-record if we have to for whatever reason and i think two weeks ago we pre-recorded uh last week we were live this week we are live and we do like being able to see i can see all the little comments uh so i give a little shout out to some of our, our lovely friends yeah. in chat let's uh shout out to um Scourge YouTube, Classy Cat, Shellshock, H. Sandez, uh, The Funky Penguin, Rodrigo, Shellshock, Magni, Yoringer, and Dizzy Lane bringing it uh, live fashion to the Super Show pod this Monday night. Very glad to have you all um, here with us to talk about the exciting news uh, that's been going on. So um, I think first things first, Jamie, we need to have a little chat about Tom Henderson. And his tasty leak that we've got this week. Oh, get careful, Jonesy. You're getting into some phrasing issues there. I don't know what Tom, out Tom Henderson of what it tasted like, but that sounds like it's between you and him. Don't lick it. Just keep your tongue in your mouth as you appreciate um, the PlayStation 5 Pro or Trinity, as it has been codenamed, um, which, um, according to Tom Henderson, we're understood to be is in development and has been in development since early 2022. Um, this is no surprise, really, is it? The fact that there's a PlayStation 5 Pro coming because we've had it for the 4. Um, we had it for the... Was it called Pro on the 3 or was it just called Slim? I can't even remember. The, the, there was, yeah, there was never uh, never an official reversion of the PlayStation 3. They the, the PlayStation have always done that thing where they iterate on the design mm. and they release slimmer versions that I think colloquially... Colloquially, that's a hard word to say sometimes, get referred to as slim. But unless... I mean, someone in the chat could correct me on this. I don't think they ever rebranded the PlayStation 3 to the PlayStation 3 Slim. They just released a new model of the PlayStation 3 that replaced the old one, and it was slimmer. Same with the PlayStation... Actually, my, maybe there was a PS2 Slim. Now I'm now I'm just second-guessing myself. But yes, this is separate This is separate to that natural evolution we often see where consoles get reversioned in later life, slimmed down, uh, components get updated... Usually because manufacturing, you know, certain components become more available, manufacturing gets more cost-effective, the price of the console usually comes down, but this is very much a separate half-step upgrade that, that, I mean, we really saw for the first time with the PS4 Pro, as you mentioned, and the Xbox One X. I want to say it was the PlayStation 3 that had a sort of a secret um, chipset update, because when they first released it, I'm pretty sure... Uh, they were like losing money on every unit. That was the story, and then they sort of reiterated on the inner on the innards. And so you ended up having, if you had a PlayStation Three when they first came out, they were like they were backwards compatible with some games or something. And then later on, they weren't because they changed the chip setup so that it was cheaper for them to produce, and they weren't like losing money. But it was kind of yeah messed up yeah. Um, for the rest of us. Uh, I, I want to say even at launch, the backwards compatibility was tied to certain SKUs usually that you could identify based on the hard drive size, right? It was like yes, there was a single right, yeah. PS3 that was back compat and like an 80 that wasn't or something weird like that. It's funny because when we was, you were saying that then, I suddenly thought like if you had to if you had to sort of like put a, a generational separation, obviously I'm not talking about 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. I'm saying if you had to say there was a dividing line between PlayStation models of like early era and then modern era PlayStations. I would say one and two were like early era, and then PlayStation three, four, five were like modern era. 
I don't know why. Yeah. My brain just wants to split there. And I think, to be fair, one of the things was the dramatic design change about with the three, with it kind of its spaceship looking weird ass body. And it, yeah, it yeah. was just a lot more grunty and powerful and cool. Uh, I think, yeah. I think also like the, that change in generation shifted uh, on a technical side with the rise of HD, which, you know, like, of course, uh, yeah. Like became uh, far more widely adopted in households around the world, and those consoles sort of really began to push it. And also on the network side of things, right? Like some people did use online connectivity. Obviously, Xbox Live was a thing on the OG Xbox, and there were network adapters for the PlayStation Two for weirdos that really liked SOCOM. But really, a lot of people's first home console online experiences came via PSN and Xbox Live on the PS3 and the 360, respectively. So there was a lot. There was more changing in that shift than has changed in the subsequent shifts, um, which maybe loops back around to the original conversation we're going to have here about to what extent any of these consoles are needed. Um, but yeah, to each their own, I guess. I, I think I think you're right. It's the it's that paradigm shift when stuff sort of changes over, and then you, yeah, you get to a point of that paradigm, and you say, is it really required? Um, well, so yeah, let's get into that and say. And, you know, discuss whether or not we think this is actually required. Um, let me give you a few of the uh, tasty deets that we've had leaked. So um, apparently uh, there are um, kits out there already. So there are some pros that are already, or demonstrations, sorry, that are ongoing at the moment. The majority of our studios should be receiving development kits by late November uh, 2023. Um, when we're talking about the actual performance that the PlayStation 5 Pro is going to be looking at, um, we're going to be aiming at a consistent um, FPS of um, sorry, consistent FPS at 4K resolution, which obviously we all know we don't get at the moment. A little bit spotty at that 4K. Uh, also, a new performance mode, which is going to be targeting an 8K revolution. I only know of one game that's going to be able to take advantage of that, Jamie. Um, <laughs> so with his 8K textures. So we can talk about that as well. Oh, yeah. so for a second there, I was thinking about some really shit or like, shitty like 8-bit pixel art game that could hit technically hit 8K. I didn't realize you were, you were invoking Hassan himself. I am talking about abandoned, of course, uh, and we're also going to be. It's going to be targeting accelerated ray tracing. Um, I think when you sort of put those things together, it's kind. Of, in some respects, it makes me think a little bit like, oh, these are the things we were aiming at when it, we were talking about PlayStation Five in general, and the fact that we haven't mm. managed to meet a lot of those things, and we're now talking about like an intergenerational um, console upgrade to meet those targets. It's almost like a political thing. It's almost like a politician at this point who made a load of promises and then midway through they make new promises and you go, these promises sound like the old promises. <laughs> exactly. Um, it it, it kind of reminds me in that respect of the, 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 the... I remember when the PS4 Pro was being shown off, that was when conversations around quote-unquote true 4K started to fire right. up. And because like, there was all this stuff of like, hey, we know you guys don't like checkerboarding, we're, we're, we're going to push for native... And of course, HDR was a big deal then because that was still a very new consumer term that people were excited by and everyone wanted to go out and buy LG OLED TVs because they wanted their blacks to be blacker than ever before and who could blame them? <laughs> um, and it, yeah, it's funny, you got to the PS5 and you realized actually true 4K, as for, like, whatever the fuck that means, I guess that means actual you know, 13, 40 by 21, 60 is still pretty far off for a lot of games. Um, yes. Well, because visuals are also becoming more ambitious in tow with the increased demand for resolutions. And of course, the other thing is consumers are becoming far more wary of frame rates. And nowadays, as we saw with titles like Redfall, 
if a title launches on um, next-gen consoles, or I guess now current-gen consoles, without a 60 FPS performance mode, that's a headline. And so, yep. you know, developers are having to make all kinds of, you know, they're having to, the goalposts are constantly moving. What consumers want, how console manufacturers are trying to promote their platforms, and what's actually feasible with the tech at the time is always shifting and moving. Um, it seems like an impossible game. And yes, you're absolutely right that, you know, Caesar's arriving at the PlayStation 5 Pro and they're still talking about, oh, we promise that 4K and a consistent frame rate is now the target. And I think that's telling um, and a little bit depressing. And I think the other thing they're going to really struggle with is that, as evidenced when you move on from that point and look at the other USBs here, is they're kind of running out of areas to grow into. Like I said, they make, they tried really hard to make HDR a must-have. It kind of worked. They won some people over. HDR does make a tangible improvement. I'm not suggesting it doesn't, but it was also just a very convenient selling point for TVs and consoles at the same time. But most people don't care about 8K resolution because they, they consider themselves miles away from buying a television that could support it, let alone a monitor that could support it or anything like that. And accelerated ray tracing, people are already looking at games that have ray, like very solid ray tracing implementation already. Like you can go back to the launch of the PS5 and see what Insomniac did with Spider-Man Mars Morales and say like there's already a great plethora of ray tracing options out there, even at 60 frames a second on certain titles. Why do I care about um like a, a minor improvement on a piece of technology that I've already felt the impact of? Um, and I guess that it, the same goes for resolution to a certain extent. It's like you're really running out of ways to sell me on this, considering you just made the observation about how big that jump from the PS2 to the PS3 was. Like, HD gaming, like a massive network overhaul that made online multiplayer so much more accessible and attainable and social. You know, digital ownership of games and a digital marketplace. All these things were happening at the same time. And now it's like, please spend another £500, and we promise this time our frame rates will be stable. That's a bummer for gamers. It's also a bummer because you know it's not going to happen. Like, mm -hmm. it's, that, which is, which is kind of, maybe I'm, I'm not trying to be, you know, unfair to, to Sony or to the uh, console market in general, but I think the, the problem they have is, like, the studios are constantly going to be improving what they're doing with games. They're constantly going to be pushing the tech, which is what they do all the time anyway. Um, obviously, we, consoles are, are held back to some degree because they can't improve at the same rate that PCs can. And that whole market is constantly moving forward, which you so see you're constantly seeing what is possible with almost like unlimited power. Um, and so I think you're always going to have this problem that consoles are playing sort of catch up to some degree, which means yeah. surely that they're always going to be, they're always going to be being stretched um, in some respects. So what you can say, like I suppose the gold standard this, in this day and age would be if you could just have a, any game that releases on PlayStation uh, or like Xbox to be a 4K 60 FPS game with with ray tracing on like without having to say do i want it to look pretty or do i want it to run smooth like that is and that doesn't seem like that that should be unattainable like that seems like that should be achievable um but then yeah when, when you've got studios who are sort of like pushing the envelope and you've got unreal 5 and all of this sort of stuff and and incredible looking games these days it does seem like that's just not possible yet um yeah and so i just don't believe it of the playstation 5 pro either right yeah, I I think that's totally reasonable to not believe it. And I think the other thing that's a little bit uh, eye-catching when you look at, and admittedly, these are leaked PS5 Pro target, you know, technical specs, um, not 
real and not indicative of the way Sony might try and actually promote or present this console in real terms. But do you remember when the PS5 was um, being promoted and talked about for the first time? Yes, there was a lot of talk about actually hitting 4K this time, stable frame rates, um, hardware accelerated ray tracing, and so on and so forth. But a lot of the talk with the PlayStation 5 was power you can feel, not just power you can see. And the big right. component that was toted for that was, of course, this super special, you know, super handcrafted, each one handmade by some fucking nerd in Japan, the SSDs, and how fast they were and how they did things that, you know, the kind of off-the-shelf SSDs you might have in your PC could never dream of, and that meant that, you know, Ratchet and & Clank and Spider-Man could do things that, you know, you'd never seen before. And there were hints, there were glimpses of that, but we recently had a minor controversy where Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart came out on PC, and you can run it on a hard drive. You don't need an SSD for it. And so people right. kind of just sat there and be like, like, it's just another reminder that we get fed a lot of bullshit around the launch of new consoles and a lot of it disappears. And I think the fact that we're talking about PS5 Pro and we're straight just back to, you know, touting resolution and frame rates as a, as a, as a USB is, 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 yeah, like I said, it, it kind of sucks. And it's a reminder that we can't get too bought into these hype cycles. These consoles may well be good, and they're going to serve a purpose for some people. I I was, by the end of the PS4 generation, I was glad I owned a PS4 Pro, right? Yes. When games when games like um, The Last of Us Part 2 and Ghost of Tsushima were coming out in 2020, I was like, I'm glad I have a Pro right now, based on the, you know, the differences in performances and visuals. That's still going to be the same, but at the same time, we're going to be disappointed with the state of the, the hardware market based on what we're looking at at the moment. Not one hundred percent. Like I'm, I'm one of these people that I'll say, I'll say now, like I don't really see the point. Am I gonna? Do I need it? It feels like I've only just bought a PlayStation Five, um, and I still feel like I'm. I, I've uh, there have been, definitely been a few games which have which I've been like, okay, this is why I've got a PlayStation Five, but I'm still waiting for a f more of those um, to really uh, make me feel that it's you know that. And so then you say, do you want to do you want to get rid of this and do you want to get a pro? And I'm like, well, why? Like, what what are you? What, why am I doing that? Like, what's the game that I have to get the PlayStation Five Pro for? What's the um, what's the title that's, that needs me to to have that? Yeah, yeah. And I can't think of anything that's coming that's that's going to make me feel like that at the moment. I think the thing that I don't know if it will make you feel like that. I don't know if you remember how this worked for you on the PS4, but the thing that gets to me isn't necessarily like the killer app or the must-have piece of software. It's the FOMO. It's watching the Digital Foundry video and seeing. Here's what The Last of Us Part 3 looks like on the PS5. Here's what it looks like on the PS5 Pro. And my brain saying, Jamie, you're not playing the inferior version of The Last of Us 3. <laughs> Go out and buy that console. Yeah, it's, that, that for me, yeah, that's the, exactly the same thing. It's it's like you could play, uh, you want to play Spider-Man? You like Spider-Man? Well, Miles Morales, look at that. And you're like, oh, I want to play that. Yeah. And even seeing... Um, I don't even remember what it's called. What's the little robot man game that came out? Astrobot? Astrobot. Yeah, I wanted to play Astro's Playroom. Like I saw that. And and one maybe I'll be maybe I won't be have much company with me on this one, but I kind of thought the uh the the, the PlayStation 5 controller, the DualSense, was a bit overhyped. They're almost like trying to sell a system on how good uh, you know, um resistant triggers were and haptic feedback because of kind of like mm. Are we really doing this? Are we really going to say that you have to have it because of the controller? But, you know, like, 
but the, but absolutely i had the i had the fomo i didn't want to miss out on that amazing tech but i kind of don't feel that this time around um so we're actually talking about a release date uh, of like November 2024. So you know, just over a year off. I mean, it's not it's not too far away. That's what they're sort. Of, that's what they're aiming for. Um, but it is going to be weird. It's going to be a tricky one because I do think they need more titles um, that really push the envelope and where way people. They're saying on the PlayStation 5 Pro, this game will run like smooth as butter. If they can yeah. show, if they can actually show some games that had a bit of a hard time. Uh, or not lived up to the hype because of frame rate, etc. And then you can show them running on a pro that just work. Then maybe that will tip it for me. But I just don't think that's going to happen. It just yeah. seems so often these days that the problem is the studios. Often as well is that they're the ones that don't like. For example, Starfield. Starfield's going to run at thirty FPS when it comes out. That is not a problem of um, the cons. The Xbox being able to run it. I'm guessing that that's a problem. The fact that they're trying to get it optimized for the system. And they're like, look, we've we've done a lot of, lot of optimization. This is a tasty game. It looks very good, and we can't get it more than thirty FPS looking good. So that's what you're going to get. And like as you said, with Redfall, they had the same problem. Not even not even a good looking game um, by a, you know a lot of standards, and they struggled. Um, look at how bad some of Cyberpunk was um, like a couple of years ago, and how the frame rate on that. Like the problem you're going to have is for me is from the opposite direction. So I don't think saying we're going to target 60 fps at 4k okay <laughs> you've got to get all yeah. the studios on board yeah exactly you need you, you're talking and well having these targets hitting them is the problem that has been one of the most consistent headlines uh, across the last two generations now and and you know studios and third-party studios inability to do so um i completely agree you know target targets don't mean anything what it would have would a video game console is theoretically capable of over a year before it's even come out. In some cases, before development kits have even, you know, you know, fallen into the laps of these developers. Yeah, it means nothing. And you're absolutely right to call out like the the lack of software we can kind of visualize uh, in the future. I think it takes me back to the um, showcase that PlayStation did at the end of May, where we kind of sat there feeling like we were ready to see what the next chapter of the PlayStation Five software lineup looked like. And most people came, or a lot of people, myself included, came away from that a little bit disappointed on that front because there was that increased emphasis on live service titles and, and not everyone out there is jazzed to play Marathon on a PS5 Pro. If that had been a different kind of showcase or if before the year is out they have a different kind of showcase where all of a sudden, you know, the Wolverines and Ghost of Tsushima 2s and Last of Us 3s or Last of Us multiplayer of the world are real and tangible and then all of a sudden they say... And here's the console that's going to make them all look even better than they could have looked already. That becomes a little bit better as an elevator pitch, but they're not even at that point yet, which is um, something of a concern. Um, especially when you consider, like, th this is a bit of a head fuck, but this, you, 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 you mentioned this, and you're absolutely right. The PlayStation, this generation, not just from the PS5 perspective, but from a Xbox Series perspective as well, has been so fucked up because we spent the first couple of years of it in a lockdown. That coincided with us, most people not being able to get their hands on them. You haven't been yeah. able to walk into stores and pick these things off shelves um, up until very recently. Uh, you know, a, a real shortfall in terms of software that explicitly makes use of the hardware and it's exclusive to the hardware. You know, we talk about Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok and so on and so forth still being cross-gen. They can't let go of those install units on the PS4. Like, all of this is happening. It's easy to forget 
that the PlayStation 4 Pro came out in the fall of 2016, three years after the PlayStation 4. If we were on the same timeline, the PlayStation 5 Pro would be coming out in three or four months' time. Yep, so we're, is, we're a year like, off, yep. Yeah, and even then, we've they, they've bought an extra year, and we're looking at it and saying, "A, it feels," and it, we're saying it doesn't feel like something we need. Um, but yeah, it's, so it's good. But then the other thing in all of this, and it goes, it goes back to business and and when yeah, and the idea of money on the table. I remember when the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X were first being touted, there were some onlookers, writers, journalists, whoever, who speculated that. Sony and Microsoft were looking at the mobile phone market and saying, hang on a second, people buy a £700 iPhone every year to do essentially the same thing. How do we only sell consoles every seven years at less than the cost of an iPhone? Like, what the fuck are we doing wrong? I want to say less I, people. I think the iPhone is more like £1,200, £1, £1,300. A year, you're probably right. I'm, I'm, I'm out of time. Astronomical. Uh, and people, the amount of cost. Well, buy, people will get a new one every Every it's not every years. year, then every two years, every three years. And yeah. they don't buy it to do something new or to do anything. There's nothing they want from in terms of what that hardware is capable of that they want to do tangibly better. No one's saying, I need the new iPhone so I can text faster. <laughs> some people some people pretend to care about how you know how much better quality the, the images are. But again, they've been so good for so long that it's almost indecipherable. I can totally see why console manufacturers look at that and were like, where's our money? Um I've I've got it. I've solved it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What you do is like like you do with a mobile phone. Uh, you don't. You have to pay. So I'm trying to think how much. So how much is a PlayStation Five? It's like four hundred quid, right? About four hundred pounds. I, I I actually can't remember. Let's say it is. Yeah. Let's say it is. Okay. You sign up to a contract uh, to buy a PlayStation or an Xbox, and you don't actually pay in one go, and you pay fifteen pounds a month, and th then they say in four years' time. So you've paid, uh, uh, blimey, 150, 300. You paid like 500 quid, right, in four years, 15 pounds a month. And they say, and in four years time, you get a brand new one if you want it. We'll send you a brand new one. Your contract carries on 15 pounds a month. And every four years, they just ship you the new console. And you never even have to worry. I mean, about that, that, that sounds like a steal. It does. It does. Because you think, you think I'm already paying like uh, probably 15 pounds a month just to play like um, Game Pass or Empire or on uh, PlayStation Plus, like um, top tier or something like that. So yeah, if you say, oh, you know, we combine it, £25 a month and you get a PlayStation for free and you get um, and you get the top tier of PlayStation Plus and you say, well, yeah, and that's all I have to pay. Absolutely. Then they'd be making the same sort of money that the phones are making. They'd be getting £500 per unit. They'd have people who were committed who already signed up. And then you say to them after four years, do you want the new one? And you're like, yes, please. There you go. Yeah. It would be an interesting. I th I, I want to say someone did experiment with that at some point. It probably was Xbox. I feel like they did do like a "Hey, get an Xbox for ten pounds a month" kind of thing at one point. Does that uh, ring any bells for you? I, I'm not an Xbox guy, so it could well have happened, I, and I would have I would have passed me by. But I suppose it's harder, and maybe it's more difficult with hardware. Like like a phone is a contract because you pay for your monthly phone contract. Mm. You're paying for data. You're paying for like calls. It kind of seems different, maybe, but you're right. It's no different. It's exactly the same. It's, it's a the only difference is the iPhone is smaller. That's the only difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's also just built into people's like way of functioning now. Like a phone is a thing you replace more often than a game console. And if you try and disrupt that, not just disrupt that, but disrupt that by asking people to cough up more money, they're going to be like, no, I like things the way they are, where I spend X amount of money every X period of time.
Um, you know, it's usually the status quo that just determines how things are going to continue. Um, but but in spite of that, like from if if the PS PS5 Pro does become a thing and this thing hits the market, it suggests that the PS4 Pro experiment works. That people did go out, that people did buy that, and that and I think this is the other important thing: having both of them on the market for the entirety of the second half of the generation means that every single person who hasn't bought a PS5 yet or hasn't converted to next-gen yet, or switches from Xbox to PlayStation, or whatever the case may be, everyone who does that in the second half of the generation has a choice. And a lot of consumers, based on you know the kind of the way that you know, consoles are usually viewed in terms of this slightly more premium-tier good, um, will go for the more expensive option. It, it does kind of seem mad that you could end up with a situation where you've got a PS5 Pro, the PS5 on the market... And every game that comes out is is marketed to PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five, like you have almost like a not two generations, but almost three generations like across. Yeah, like big band well, still trying to get you know the PS Four people into games. I'd, I'd be I'd be praying that PS Four games are not being like sold by <laughs> Christmas twenty twenty four. Like if in fourteen months time or fifteen months time or whatever it is. We're still like we're still in cross-gen territory on anything except like FIFA and Call of Duty. Then we're in trouble. Well, we'll we'll have to see. Um, just to uh, we should add on the end that uh, Xbox Chief Phil Spencer, um, when talking about uh, the possibility of a mid-gen Xbox, has said that they will not be doing that. Um, they don't have any plans to do that, um, and they've not had any feedback from their audience that would suggest that that's a move they'd want to make. So don't expect the same thing coming from Xbox anytime soon that, um, see that would be interesting if playstation did it and xbox didn't because they were like no that we're confident in what we've put out there would would that be a bad look i'm not hey i t- do you know what it couldn't look i know what you're saying it, they couldn't swing that at this point i think phil's been out there so much saying look we know we lost the console war we know we've got a fracture of the market we know we're, we're not even in you know vying for it this generation like i think if he, he turned around and went oh must be that ours is the best i think everyone's just gonna throw the receipts in his face from every interview he's done for the past three months and just sort of say really bro so i, I don't think that's something that's gonna be entertained gonna be an interesting one i wonder how quickly you can make a pro version of a console internally like it feels <laughs> panicking now like we need to make one now i see i still i'm still convinced that xbox have decided that console war is a thing of the past and that they're trying to win gaming in general and that they've got a much bigger broader plan i don't know what it is i don't know what it looks like i'm not going to say console get like uh, cloud gaming <laughs> like i always do but um yeah. hey. service services hearts and minds there are many battles to be won out there you know just just look at fucking um nintendo whoever a portable PlayStation 3 out there for selling like hotcakes, you know? And then they announced that they're doing a PlayStation 3 Pro. Yeah, exactly. Technically, it's more of like a portable PlayStation like 2.8. Um, yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> Do you see what well, there was a leak the, the other day that like suggested that the, the specs of the Switch Pro would be between the PS3 and the PS4 or something like that? Yeah, I can totally believe it. That's not surprising yeah. at all. <laughs> but then... But then but what's the, the thing that makes all the difference to me, with Nintendo, is their first-party games are made to run on their software, on their hardware, and, and run and run completely viably. And people are happy with how they run, and they get on with it and they play it. 
and that it makes that makes it as long as you're not try, trying to put you know as long as they didn't bring try and say oh we've got cyberpunk 2 coming to switch pro and then you play and it is just completely unplayable trash like because nintendo wouldn't be dumb enough to do that as long as they release yeah. pikmin 5 on the pro and you go yeah this is fine like they know yeah. what they, they're just smarter i think with a lot of that stuff i imagine it was it must some interesting ports from games from other studios third-party studios um but even with that they seem to do their ports okay and they seem to like do a half decent job for people that yeah. want to play the witcher 3 on, uh, on the switch uh, yeah I, I did not end up wanting to play the witcher 3 on the switch i thought it looked like melted plastic on a on a switch screen <laughs> but yeah to each their own i know people who have so i guess that's what matters right absolutely um but hey all these companies have their own little captive audiences that I'm sure they're very grateful for. And Jamie, we have yeah. a small captive audience that we are very grateful for. I'm talking, of course, about our uh, patrons uh, who've gone over to patreon.com forward slash super show and who have signed up for as little as $2 a month to connect with us on our Discord. Um, and then there are lots of other tiers on there as well. You can see some cool uh, extra content that we've got available. You can chat to us on the Discord server. You can do whatever you like. You can be part of the crew. Um, and right now, I would like to give a shout out to some of the awesome patrons um, who have signed up. There are some names on screen right now, but I would also like to give a shout out uh, to Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brimstone, Cole K, Ice Knob Rock Salt, Jesper Camden Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Pastors Guild, and the Big Dogs, the members of the board. I'm talking Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Reed, Manuel Guerrero, and Peaswad. Thank you, everyone, for uh, signing up, um, for chatting to us on the Discord server, and for being there with us um, for a lot of you for a long time, which is um, uh, moving yeah. and reassuring that there are at least a few people out there who like what we do and keep coming back <laughs> week on week. So thank you very much. Yeah. As long as Jonesy's parents keep watching, we'll keep going. That's what you said. I, I sometimes my mum does watch, I know, because she's, she's even commented before. I'm just like, Mom, you're embarrassing me. Uh, I wouldn't be able to live well myself. Like, if I was sat around the dinner table, like at Christmas, and my and my mum did, like, a super show quote, I'd probably be hanging from the rafters. Uh, I don't, well, see, I don't mind that, because, like, parents are supposed to be embarrassing, so that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. What does bother me, and this is going to be a bit weird, but what does bother me is the idea that I die, right, for, for whatever reason, like okay. I die prematurely and then my kids are like, oh, I, I miss dad. I miss talking to him. The only connection I have to him is where he's just a bell end on this podcast and they make stupid jokes and talk about video games and yeah. 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 No, you're right. Uh, that is weird that you're, you might have to vicariously raise your children through the power of podcasts. But <laughs> that sounds like the, like the plot to like a, a shitty book that someone tries to adapt into a shitty movie of a, like a father who realizes he's terminally ill so he starts a series of podcasts that are designed to raise his unborn child and it's like you listen to an episode of this every month from the age of like four and i'm going to raise you to be the man that that you are supposed to be i can I, totally see that i love that though i love the idea now you've said it i could it'd be called something like raising barry and what it would do is the, the guy would he do the dad would put it out there he'd put it out there for like his kid and he'd go oh do you know what i'm gonna put it on youtube so he's got access to it and it would go viral and everyone would be would be like learning along 
and watching it. And Barry would be yeah. really embarrassed because he's, he's all this advice. Like his, his dad would come out and go, listen, Barry, you're going to be getting to the age soon. Hair's going to start to grow in different places. And he maybe going to have some embarrassing situations with girls. And then everyone's going to be like talking about, oh, Barry's a, a teenager. Yeah. Has he got his first girlfriend yet? And it's going to be little Barry. Well, it's like a simultaneous thing where Barry becomes a celebrity, but also Barry's late dad becomes like a national treasure and right. becomes like the, the the detached father to every you know person being raised by like a single parent in the entire world. Everyone yes. listens to this podcast. Yes. There'd have to be a line from like a chat show or something where everyone announces like, we're all Barry. I'm Barry. I'm Barry too. Yeah. And, and they all stand up one by one. If he's Barry, then I'm Barry. <laughs> then they'll and there'll be a there'll be a shitty joke about podcast sponsors about it. Like, this episode of your life is brought to you by me, your father. <laughs> I love it. Barry at, use code Barry at checkout for for ten percent smoother transition into puberty. I love it. I wanna uh I wanna I want someone to write it once so I can watch it. There you uh, go. Anyone listening to this, any any cheeky writers out there, get scribbling. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, from watching something, Jamie, to playing, I want to know what you've been playing or watching oh, this week. Not a whole lot. To be honest. Well, I've been watching a bunch of shite, uh, so I'm not even going to bother talking about that. Like, unless anyone wants to hear my 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 late thoughts on the 2009 George Clooney film Up in the Air. Um, but I've got a feeling that's not the, what this podcast audience is really uh, here for. Um, uh, that, not that I have much that they are here for. Um, I've been in a bit of a gaming rut lately. I was talking to Steph, our old pal Steph Murphy, about this this week, asking like what he was playing and like what what he had in his radar because I'm just bouncing off everything. I can't bring myself to go back to Final Fantasy 16 for some reason, even though I didn't dislike it. I've just really bounced off hard and I haven't quite figured a way out of that. And so like I've been playing bits and pieces of random shit. The thing I've played the most of. And I have the most conflicting feelings about, which is usually what I want to air <laughs> once this podcast, is Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. Okay. Um, which I remember you played when it came out at a yes. more sensible time to talk about a video game such as Lego Star Wars. Um, so I'm late to the party. But man, I just wanted to say, what a weird video game. Um, like, Go on. It is. A, I, I can't remember if you, this is what you were saying about it when. This is what I'm interested in. I want to. Well, yeah. I th I think I've got a feeling from what I remember that you and I are pretty aligned. I just think it's fascinating that they, they put so much effort and so much manpower and apparently hours into this product that is so rich in content and it has all these planets and all these explorable areas and hub areas and hundreds of characters and all these spaceships and um, every single you know key story beat in all nine movies is presented in some way or another. And they did all this stuff and put in all this hard work. And they structured it in such a fucking weird way. Like, they structured it in the most counterintuitive way where, like, it's almost designed for first-time players to have the worst possible experience. Because, okay. like, if you go in blind and just, like, I'm going to start playing the stories of these video games in order, or, yep. or these movies in order, what you will essentially be doing is spending most of your time like beelining through hub zones, ignoring sort of side missions and side puzzles that aren't really very clearly outlined to you to get to these circles to then get a pop-up that's like, do you want to continue the story? To then get a very short cutscene that ex it presents an extremely condensed version of a sequence from the movie 
that then jumps you into the next thing. And you realize that actually in each of these movies, there's only five missions and everything right. else between it. It's just this weird connective tissue where you're just running through these hub zones up to circles and then agreeing to continue. And like it, it just feels really disjointed and like the the push and pull over when you're meant to stop and explore and when you're meant to keep going is never that clear. So you just keep going, but keeping on going isn't that fun because the like the I I just I just felt it was a very strangely structured video game. That's I I don't know which order you was. So did you start with four or did you start with one? I started with the Phantom Menace one. Yeah. Okay, so I did the same thing because I was like, okay, let's do chron chronology. Um, that seems to make more sense to me. And I it was the worst decision I'd ever made. <laughs> ah, tied okay. tied to Lego Star Wars games. Um, <laughs> yeah, not in life, not in life. Um, no, Barry. Other things are going to happen in life, not just my yeah. head. Um, but, uh, and, and the reason being was because I think it just shined a light on how badly written the first three uh, the first three films were. Um, and, the, and it's actually funny because I was watching something the other day and someone made the comment of how um, the first, I think it was like a weird, weird a strange offhanded joke about Star Wars where they basically said, the first three films are actually really good. Um, how could you not like them? Um, the other films don't even have that much trade lore in them. And you are like, yeah, they are so fucking boring. The, fir the first uh, two, anyway, I think are, are a lot of shit that doesn't have to happen. And the first two levels um, of the of Star uh, Skywalker Saga follow that too closely. And as you've said, it is, it is running from point A to point B via points, point one, point two, point three, point four, and you're just running through to just tag boxes to then just yeah. have to go somewhere else and it is so dull but then when i got to um episode four it was right. completely different because a new hope the first sort of half of that entire film takes place in actually quite a small area so you're not planet hopping to get to circles you effectively go from one hub area to the next one it's much more traditional uh video game style and then you've got some really nice set pieces like trying to get hold of the millennium falcon defending that and trying to take off and i was i was suddenly like this is so much oh my god this game is so much better when it's when it's got better source material like i just got so bored of um, okay yeah the first two were especially were really dull like i they dragged seriously and i was much happier once i got into all of the all of the final six i think i think were better that's see, the thing is that's encouraging from a content perspective but i still feel like i have some concerns about sort of like the a to b to c flow of the game where I'm just feel, I feel like I just kept getting teased at all this stuff that I wasn't sure I was meant to interact with. Right. Like I remember very like again very early on, not right 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 at the beginning of episode one, but sort of like an an hour into episode one, there's a sequence where I think you leave um, Naboo and all of a sudden you're in a ship and you can freely fly around space, but the only thing to do in space other than shoot this asteroid a few times and collect some some nuggets or whatever the fuck they're called. What are they called? The Lego currency? Uh, you, you've played enough Lego uh, Indiana. To, cool. No, Lego Jurassic World to the studs. Studs. Of course they are studs. Yeah. Um, yeah, collect some studs. But the only thing I could do was fast travel to this planet. And then when I got to the planet, like, it felt like the only thing I could do was walk to the... And, like, I, I just feel like other games that have even a semi-open world or a hub zone sort of design are much better at communicating like now's the point when you can or maybe even should go off the beaten path and start seeing what else this game has to offer 
And I, I'm just wandering around being like, when is the point where I come back to this zone in adventure mode as a character who has this abilities so I can go and get that collectible over there because my current dude can't, because Qui-Gon Jinn doesn't have a grappling hook or whatever the fuck it is. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I, that push and pull just really was poorly communicated to me. And like, I, I also, the, I feel like the, the, the UI is a bit sort of like cluttered and messy. Um, yeah, like some of the maps and some of the character selection stuff. It just felt like, like it, it sort of shot itself in the foot. The final hurdle, like all, like a, a vast amount of content looks like it's been made for the most. I don't know. If this is kind of like a weird sort of like backhanded compliment, but the most advanced Lego game they've ever made in terms of like where they've taken the combat and like the fact that there are now combo systems and like there's actual third-person shooter elements and lots of vehicular um, uh, sequences and and other bits and pieces and going some of the set pieces that you mentioned, and yet. It feels like the stuff that should have been a more of a slam dunk that's actually getting in its way. Like, I think it's a weird one. For, I, I, could, I had exactly the same feelings you did. Um, I think for me, after I'd finished multiple worlds, so when I was, let's say I was halfway through the entire game, um, it wasn't until then that I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to replay some of these other places because I had so many characters unlocked. I had so much, like I'd already unlocked a bunch of stuff um you know all the, the all the unlockable things and when it comes to the side quests and like you said you can do free play mode where you can just pick different characters to be that you need to access different areas and things it was only like halfway through the game that we really started doing that and then once you finish the game um the replayability factor is massive like you can just go around the entire place mopping up all of the content and that but which is only which is kind of weird because it does almost say it does almost make you think if if you've had enough by you get to the last level, yeah, you've effectively missed out on probably fifty percent of the game because there's so much to do. I yeah, uh, I already have severe doubts over how much I want to return to fucking Naboo and run around to collect mini kits, whatever the fuck they're called. But those get like so I've because with the kids obviously I've replayed like Jurassic, uh, Lego Jurassic Park so many times i've replayed Star skywalker saga so many times and the replayability with kids is massive like we replay the same level like 10 times because they want to go and get every little thing um like I, I think i said to you one time i think i said on the podcast my wife and i once sat for like two hours as rancors just running around the um the first couple of levels because you can farm studs because the kids were like oh we want to get like every uh eight billion studs so you can unlock this and we just spent like two hours just farming studs um it really lends itself to that Apparently. kind of gameplay. Yes, but um, not so much to the fully enjoying it as you go through. And like I said, I yeah. found the first three levels boring as shit. Like, I I so wish I'd started with four. But then, but then I would have had to have gone back and played those, so maybe that would have been the bad way to do it. Yeah, because then you, you'd have had to have hit that lull at some point or another, I guess, which is the weird thing. Yeah, we'll see. It, it, the, the optics aren't looking good because um, Remnant 2 comes out at midnight which is uh two hours from now at the time of recording unless you bought the ultimate edition i guess um and i i and i am gonna play that so we'll still we'll see what that means for lego star wars find out next week anyway that's me well i'm not gonna bore everyone with more star wars uh jedi survivor um that i've been playing so i am gonna bore people talking briefly about the flash uh which i got to watch courtesy of uh warner brothers who sent us a link thank you very much warner brothers um i mentioned it briefly on the podcast last week um uh yeah i think it was it was up for home rental uh, and home viewing um from last monday uh and so yeah they kindly sent us a link to that a 
interesting film. Hmm. Okay. So I have to elaborate on that. (laughs) I was ready for this to be the hottest pile of trash that I've seen all year. Uh, And and I've seen Black Adam, so that'd be saying something. Um, The opening uh, scene that kind of sets the stage and like reintroduces you to Flash and, and, you know, some of his powers and things is horrible. They've tried to, they've tried to include like some humor in there. And they've tried to add in, like, obviously his abilities and reintroduce the character just for, I guess, so if you've not seen him for a while or if you're first time to Flash, you want to be reintroduced to him. And it's it's horrific. Like, who the hell wrote it, worked on it, did the CGI for it? Is, it looks disgusting. Like, the CGI is god-awful. Um, there's a scene where babies are falling out of this building and he's trying to, uh, kill, like, protect them all. But he has a thing that he can't touch. He can't move people in super speed because oh. otherwise he really messes them up because they move too fast. So he has to move inanimate objects instead. So he's um, attempting to, you know, all these babies are, are falling. Yeah, they're falling out. Just like um, remember the Atari game, beat them and eat them. <laughs> I don't. When the guy stands on top of the roof and jacks off, and you have to control the woman at the bottom who swallows his cum. Is there a bit of that? I don't remember that at all. But it's not like that. So it, it, it's a, a building. It's something like Batman is trying to catch these people, and in the in so doing, there's a bomb's gone off, and Batman's like, "Barry, I'm too busy. Can you can you save the day?" So he has to go and do that while Batman's doing the real save, get catching the criminals. And a building starts to fall over, and these babies fall out of a maternity ward, which for some reason is on like the fortieth floor. And he's got a scoop. He's got not can't scoop them up. He's got to give them a soft landing. But it's just, it's so horribly done. Like, the CGI is terrible. They, there's a scene in, this is what I said when I was watching it, Sonic the Hedgehog has a scene where he runs around super quickly because he's Sonic, he can move super fast. Yeah. And it's just like a brilliant comedy mo- a scene in a bar where he's like, he wraps someone in toilet paper, he squirts ketchup and mustard over someone, he puts a bare head on, on a guy, and it's fun, and it works. And, it, and, then, and then you see the reality of when, he, when everything goes back to normal speed, Everyone gets their comeuppance. Everyone like falls over, gets wrapped into a weather. This has no joy in this whole intro scene. It's just nasty and shit, and I really didn't like it. And I was like, oh my god, this film's going to be terrible. You then meet a couple of like you meet Batman and Wonder Woman who are there just to I guess be like, yeah, we're also in in um, DC, and it was just n- not fun. How you then, however, get into the meat of the story, which is for people that don't yes. know, Barry. His name is Barry, isn't it? I forgot his name is Barry. Barry goes, not my Barry. Barry goes back in time um, to try and change his past. And that is the meat of the film, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ruin anything if anyone hasn't seen it yet. Um, and I actually quite enjoyed it. It's, it's okay as a, as a singular superhero movie about a singular character. It has the right sort of tone. It's um, humorous where it needs to be humorous. The uh, Actually, like the, the CGI and stuff is all fine once you actually get into the main sort of body of the story. Even some of the weird elements they try and introduce work uh, quite well. It is by no stretch good. Like, I'm not saying this is like a good, um, uh, like, oh my God, what a great movie. But knowing that it did worse at the box office than Green Lantern, I was thinking this was going to be absolute horror show. So I was, Interesting. so I was kind of had low, very low expectations. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised. I thought actually it's so, it's a fun film. You thought that 
you thought the CG was better in like the second half of the film than the first half of the film. It's not that it's like, better. It a, and, okay. It's not that it's better. It's that um, the first part, the, the intro to the movie is is just is so CGI heavy, uh, even to elements that just seem like they don't need to be CGI, whereas the rest of the film is a lot more paced in the sense. Go on, sorry. I was going to say, I feel like all the clips that I've seen of this film taking the piss out of the CGI are in that second half of the film where there's that big fight in like a desert-like environment against the you know Zod and his all a lot, and like every movement like that a character makes and every and the, along with the entire environment looks like plasticine. So all of that stuff is just as bad as the intro, but now, okay. but but at least that's at least that stuff has a purpose. So, for example, like in that scene, there's yeah, you've got like uh, the um, where are they? The Kryptonians are fighting, you know, uh, the, the Flash and whatever. But that kind of makes sense that there's bad CGI because the CGI is bad, and they're like, yeah, but we've got to have a uh, we've got to have a Kryptonian fight Barry, so it's going to have to happen. It's going to have to be CGI because it's not possible. In the beginning of the film, you've got Batman riding on a motorbike. The motorbike is CGI. His cape is CGI. The uh, what he's driving around is CGI. The babies are CGI. Like everything is CGI. It's horrible. And it's like things that you can see in everyday life are CGI. So you're just like, what? why have they done this? If it's an alien trying to blow, like punch a, a hole through a wall, I'm like, okay, that's hard to do as a practical effect. You're telling me they couldn't get a real motorbike and a real cape for Ben Affleck? May, yeah, no, I, I see what you mean. Like that to that me is... is more cringe and is, is, more, is harder to accept because I'm like, that's just lazy. At this point, you've just said, what? Uh, foreign CGI studio can we pay bare minimum to the the pitch the least amount you know for, so we can save some money like that was horrible but the, but which the, is weird because uh, that film was probably not cheap well, almost certainly was not cheap oh no, of course but the, the old oh, thing no but the, the, the problem with um, the CGI problem is the, the way that it, that whole system works um, from the way I understand it is studios go out there they allow a bunch of companies to pitch for the work the companies, um, the only way the companies get the work is that they lowball, and then effectively you end up with these amazing CGI houses just go out of business after a couple of movies because they can't possibly survive. Yeah. And the only ones that are left are the ones that are making money with the lowball offers, probably because they're paying less for the staff. So you know it's a race to the bottom. Effectively, there's a, there's a massive one with a UK office that, like again, doing some of the biggest films to come out at the moment. Like uh, I think they're working on the second June movie at the moment. That are going through a round of redundancies or or layoffs, as you would call them in the US. So yeah, there was something shitty industry. There was a story about James Cameron making the Titanic, um, and he'd asked for a very specific like thing where there's like birds flying over the Titanic when it's getting ready to launch, and the the graphic house go away, do all the work. It's exactly what he's asked for. It looks phenomenal. They take it back, and James Cameron basically goes, uh. I don't think I like this like this. Can we change? And he comes up with a bunch of stuff that he wants to change. So the CGI house go away, the graphics house go away. You make all the changes, come yeah. back. It's it's taken them an extra like I don't know two months to do all this work, maybe even longer. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, no, that's much better, thanks. And they didn't pay. They don't pay an extra dime for it because they basically said we're not happy yeah. to change it. So you've just got a company that were bur- they were working on the thinnest of margins because they were you know they lowballed an offer to try and get the work in the first place who then had just been completely stitched up by the fact that the director went, actually, I don't like what I said. I want to change what I said, and I'm not giving you any more money for it. 
And it's just like, goop. Do you when we, we worked for a company where at some point, we were, when we were doing a lot of external work and, and work with other partners and whatnot, we had to add a clause into our contracts that stipulated a maximum number of um, like review and feedback sessions that like, would be done. Yes. Because we had things going, you know, it was like we had things going as like the 15th version. And what we found with a lot of these bigger companies that we worked with, we did work with some pretty hefty partners and you know, especially in the music industry, for example, was that you'd, you'd go through a round of changes, get approvals, and then that person would be like, cool, now I have to send it to the people above me. And then you would get contradictory feedback and like things that you'd already done or deleted would now have to go back in. And like, yeah, and it was just this process of like, every time you went up a level of seniority, uh, you would then get more feedback, none of which considered any of the feedback that had got you up to the point or any of the previous versions you'd made. So we had to start uh, stipulating like, hey, we're going to do a max maximum five rounds of changes on this video. Uh, do with them what you will, kind of. Yeah, no, I remember for, I remember it well. Because, it, yeah, as you said, I think the, the problem you get with that is people feel like if they don't say anything, someone might say, didn't you have any suggestions? And it's so everyone feels like they have to, even if they're bad, they, excuse me, yeah. they feel like they have to make suggestions. They have to like exactly. uh, wade in. But anyway, so um, uh, yeah, I thought the Flash actually, apart from the really, really bad CGI, um, nowhere near as bad as I thought, uh, and quite fun, better than Black Adam. I'll say that. Okay, I mean it's a low bar, but it crossed <laughs> past it. Um, I have to ask because it is one of the talking points of the film. Without going into spoilers, uh, cameos. Yes. Um, cameos in terms of choices, in terms of execution, in terms of justification. Um, you know, how, how, how did you come down on them? Because I've seen some pretty, I've, I've seen some stuff that I'm like, okay, that's funny and or interesting. And I've seen seen other stuff that I'm like, come on, like really? So the cameos... Uh, there's way more tasteful ways of doing it than that. The cameos are marred by, some of them, um, by the really bad CGI. I know one of them at least that I'm like, okay, <laughs> that looks like an Xbox 360 cutscene. But let's move on. So that, yeah, there's a couple like that where you're like, why would you choose to do complete CGI for this person when your CGI is so bad? Like, what? That's a strange choice. Um, when it comes to some of the other cameos, like I, I hated the intro cameos. So you, the, the Ben Affleck and the Wonder Woman one, which I, you know, I'm, I, they're in the first five minutes. I don't think I'm brewing anything by saying that. Um, completely not required. I didn't like that whole bit. I thought it was needless um, to sort of set the scene. Some of the other ones I think I thought were fun. I thought were good. I enjoyed. They do one which I was super happy about because I was annoyed at one point that the internal logic of the film didn't work. Uh, and then they managed to completely flip it and actually I was wrong and they did. And they stayed on track. And I was like, oh, well, fair play. Well done. And they used a bit of a joke to, of a cameo to sort of set that set that off in my head, which was really good. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, but the, um, the, it's really hard about giving anything away. They, they've unfortunately completely copied some of what Marvel have done in the past, which is, sort of takes away from some of it. Um, because you think like, at this point, it's just shot for shot cop. Like, just you did this so we're going to do this which seems bizarre but okay like fine I'm, I can't really call you out on it when Marvel are doing the same thing and it's 
Marvel are doing so well or have been in the past, I can maybe see why you'd want to imitate some of that. Um, yeah. On the, on the whole, I thought the cameos were fine. Like I said, they just looked nasty um, in some respects. <laughs> just didn't work yeah. at all. The, the, the one I would be, in theory, like most excited about as well was the one that I thought they butchered the worst. I know exactly what you're talking about because I had to explain it to uh, the people that yeah, I was exactly. watching it with. It's, it's, the one, it's the one that needs an explanation, but if you know the explanation, you're like, wow, I'm so glad this is happening. And then you kind of see it and you're like, oh, I'm... There's an, there's another one that I'm also equally as excited about for different reasons, but it it take it it they there's it, it's not the same as the others from my understanding. Like having just seen clips of stuff, like it it's a different kind of cameo. Um, okay, you'll you'll have to tell me after, and I'll um I'll, I'll I mean my understanding is it happens very near, if not at the very end of the movie. Oh, I think okay, I think I think you're talking about the one which which was good, which set things right. For- okay. Yeah, good, good. Which, yeah, makes it. In fact, I can probably guess what it sets right because there's another entire part of this movie that we haven't really talked about that I won't reference just in case. I feel like it's just a quiddle your eggshells, which probably ties into the part that you want it to be somewhat consistent. Like, hey, if this if A is possible, then B has to be as well. Yes, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. But um, no, we listen. Yeah, uh, I don't want to annoy everyone. Sorry, sorry, sorry everyone. No, no, because we we don't want to give. We don't want to like ruin if anyone who wants to watch it. But at the same time, it's quite hard to talk about something which is you, by mentioning anything, we're just going to give away things that I really don't want to. Um, yeah, it's it's it's. I thought it was fun. Um, yeah, there we go. Um, anyway, that aside, <laughs> cagedly talking about the Flash aside. Um, let's move on, Jamie. Uh, we've already talked about Sony a little bit. We talked about the PlayStation 5, but we need to talk about Spider-Man 2 because there has been a new trailer uh, which came out which showed off a little bit of Venom, um, which we've all sort of been waiting for. And also um, there was a uh, PlayStation 5 controller uh, which has been shown off. Um, and a console. Sorry, and a console as well. Yes, and a console as well. Um, so the hardware was revealed at San Diego Comic-Con and it features a black symbiote design mixed with Spider-Man's classic red stylings, uh, which is very cool. I haven't, do you know what? I must admit, I've only seen it like briefly. I've only glimpsed it, but I really want to have a look at it properly because I may have Ooh. to buy a new PlayStation 5, possibly. Well, no, you, no, you saw it, but... Oh, of course. I was going to say you don't need to buy a new PlayStation <laughs> 5, but I forgot you were talking about your scuffed disk drive because the thing that they've confirmed they are doing for this, which is really cool, is that they're going to release, uh, you know, the the PS5 console covers, yeah, plates. So you, we're now in the territory where you don't need to buy a console again for a special edition of a console. How hallelujah! How the hell have the plates not been? I I genuinely was blown away that every big game release didn't have plates for like forty quid just coming alongside it. Um, but I found that yeah, baffling. But- uh, but it's also one of those things where I've never looked into what plates there are. Like, maybe there are games. I have. I don't. Oh, well, did. Okay. But when it comes to actual just buying, like, let's say you wanted to buy uh, Last of Us plates. So you can buy them, mm. um, but often they're third party. And the ones I've seen which are first party are just solid colors or something. I haven't actually been able to find that you can get just the plates themselves. Like, I've seen people do stickers and that's sort of designs that you can, transfers that you can put on. But um, yeah. I've never been right. into a game and just seen Last of Us two plates or something like that. I haven't either. And you're and you're right in that it looks like at the moment the PS like the the ones that Sony sell themselves um, kind of match the color schemes of the DualSense controllers. So again, it's yeah, like you said, it's just 
a bunch of solid colors and one gray camo um, uh, one, which apparently, again, there is a matching dual sense controller and a matching Pulse 3D wireless headset. So that's cool, I guess. But um, yeah, you're right in that I'm surprised this wasn't more of a thing. And I'm glad that th this is going to be a thing with um, the Spider Man 2 special editions. Even though I probably wouldn't buy them because who could be bothered to fucking unplug that PlayStation 5 and take it out and take the plates off and put them back together and I'll probably break it and uh, they'll accidentally... It's so easy to do. And I'll cry. I've done it multiple times now because like I've... So when I had a problem with my disk drive and then when I put the um, SSD in, the extra SSD and stuff like that, I feel like, I've, I feel like I'm getting an old hat doing it. So I'm quite... I'll, I'll probably... Dip in. With, with, the, with the important asterisks that you broke your PS5 at some point. No, I didn't break it. My four-year-old broke it, but yeah. You sold me you tried to slip your entire penis inside the disk drive <laughs> of the PS5. That you, you spread your th foreskin as thin as it would go and tried to feed it into the disk drive, and it jammed. That's what you told me. At this point, Barry, I'd like to tell you not to try and force your penis inside a disk drive of a PlayStation 5. It's a very bad idea. Important life lessons. Important life Episode life. number 372. Oh, dear Barry, dear Barry, just called dear Barry. That's the that's the podcast, dear Barry. Um, oh, uh, so yeah, they've also got like we said, they've got a Dual Sense two uh, Spider. Sorry, a Spider Man two Dual Sense controller. Ooh, new controllers, out, which is coming out as well. Um, that is it. That's one that I would be more tempted to go to to get because you know I could actually do have an extra controller. But the one of the issues is that it's going to be seventy quid, which is going to be well, it's going to be at least seventy pounds. Um, they're yeah. expensive, those Jules controllers. They are. They are. I, it's one of those things where I'm, I, I've held off buying an additional one since launch. So at some point along the way, I'll be, I will can allow myself to buy a new one when the design is right. I just don't know if I'm going to go in on Spider-Man 2. The design is cool, but it's also, I don't know, I feel like there might be better ones in the future. I'm going to hold, I think I'm probably going to hold off. Yeah, no, that's fair. Especially if we're going to get a PS5 Pro. Uh, coming in a year's time. Don't, don't, don't have the money for it. All the minerals. Uh, but we also this week got to see uh, some more of Spider-Man Two, as we were teased uh, with um, some more trials and tribulations that Peter, Miles, and MJ are going to be going through. Um, we got a little look at Venom for the first time, uh, which is very nice to see because I think um, that that for me is that's got to be like the singular biggest selling point me on that game like I'm, I'm excited to be miles i'm excited to be um uh peter be able to switch between the two but venom has been like a favorite of mine from that sort of universe for a, a very long time yeah he's pretty iconic yeah what do you reckon the chances are so i kind of i watched this trailer and i i only watched i sort of i watched it with like with one eye because i was doing a load of other things but then into my brain shot the idea what if you get to play as Venom as well as getting to play as Spider-Man and Miles Morales. I mean, you're not the only person that has put forward that kind of theory. Um, I, at the moment, I don't know. What I will say, is, and, and true to form, given my opinions on Spider-Man and also given my love of weirdos like Hideo Kojima, is that I hope that there are plenty of bait and switches to be had um, when it comes to Spider-Man 2. Like, one of the things... Uh, about this trailer was that it kind of showed us more of Harry Osborn of course was was MIA in in Spider-Man he was kind of in stasis in that weird tank uh, presumably like being healed by his father and that uh, the, the symbiote seems to be involved and 
some way there and the the trailer heavily implies that harry osborne is going to be venom but even that i hope is some kind of weird bait and switch because what what is clear to me at the moment is that the, the timelines for as much as some of the key story beats are being laid out the timelines aren't that clear because harry's come out of the 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 harry's come out of stasis he's better now he's fit he's healthy he's walking around he's being introduced at mj and miles he's talking about healing the world does that imply that he wants to literally heal the world using the same techniques that healed him? Is that referencing the symbiote? But then at another point in the trailer, there's a shot of what looks like a group of like, I don't know, like some kind of like military group, a science science tangented military group approaching the symbiote as, the, as though it's just like crash landed from space. Is that a flashback? And it's like, is the symbiote that makes Harry Osborn Venom the same as the symbiote that makes peter symbiote spider-man like how are all these things happening at the same time that's what i don't understand and, and yeah i wonder if there is some additional twist in all of this where like what if peter is venom you know and for example maybe i i i still think it's going to follow the same sort of path that spider-man 3 the film follows which is symbiote crash lands peter mm -hmm. gets infected with it becomes black spider-man then the symbiote, he manages to get that away from him as he goes down the dark path. Maybe and Miles yeah. maybe has to like end up fighting him or something. They get rid of that. And then it manages to affect Harry, who then becomes Venom. And then that's like maybe the third act or something of the, the game is that fighting better. But I have no idea. That's just me. That would, be that would be totally fine. But all I'm going to say is that would be a little bit disappointing. Do you remember when Spider-Man came out? Do you remember what my biggest beef with it was? I don't remember, no. My biggest beef with it is at least my biggest story beef was that there's a point in the final third of the game where like there's been this big prison break and like the sinister six or whatever they could have been roughly assembled with the addition of uh mr negative of course who no one ever fucking heard of prior to that game coming out and there's this big moment where you hear like a clunk clunk someone's climbing up the side of a building and oh yeah the man sees for the first time and it's this big reveal oh my god dr otto octavius is doc ock and i sat there and i said Forget the fact that we predicted all this from the trailers. You get a phone call in the first five minutes of the game from Professor Otto Octavius. Everyone knows it's not like, yeah, like it's not. That's not a twist. That's not a reveal. No, it's, it's not. Like <laughs> the, the reveal would be of someone who wasn't Otto Octavius turned into Doc Ock or something like that. And so I, I always had a weird beef with Spider Man for that, like for thinking it was like far more that thinking that transition was far more significant than it was when it's just like, hey, like Kirk Connors is the lizard. Like, yeah, yeah that, that's that's the way fucking Spider-Man works. Like, that's not a reveal. And so there's still a yeah. part of me that hopes that with all the weird stuff going on, with Peter throwing his toys out the pram, with the symbiote, with Harry Osborn's kind of return to the series, or, or introduction to the series, however you want to view it, I hope there's some shenanigans still to be had on a story front. I hope there's a bait and switch. I hope there's a twist. Um, I don't, we'll see. I'm totally with you. I, th I completely agree with you. Like, I think it's, at this point... To, to try and introduce any of those things and say they're exciting is just complete bullshit. Like you need to do something else. I, one thing I hope is not in this game is those boring uh, MJ missions where she's like sneaking around. Oh yeah. The, the first time we're at, like with the first Spider-Man game, I remember people going like, "Oh, what a breath of fresh air!" The MJ missions were. I was like, "Are you joking? A, a shit stealth mission is a why is this a breath of fresh air? Like, is this people yeah, just trying? Were. It's just people trying to be um, like." excited that there was a bit where you get to be uh, like a female character 
that's what it that's what it felt like to me at the time because then I played it I was thinking and this is going to be really exciting I'm like no this is this is boring as shit I don't like this in most games like why is it any better just because it's in a Spider-Man game it's boring there was some interesting I remember there was one mission I think it was in like Grand Central Station or something equivalent some equivalent to that and it was, it was they were attempted some cool things where you were almost like orchestrating what Spider-Man was doing from the perspective of MJ. That was right. as a one-off. And what was fine. There was still this element of like, yes, but I could also just be doing this as Spider-Man, which is what the game is in theory all about. Um, yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I don't know. Here's a, here's a question I've got for you. Let's say your um, your prediction for the story outline is correct. We've already had the gameplay reveal of this is what Spider-Man is going to be able to do when he has, when he is black suit Spider-Man. Yep. Do you think they're going to just take those powers away at the halfway point of the story and that'll be that? So so this is why I think, this, this, so in my mind, I'm like, if I'm making a video game and I'm introducing powers and I'm introducing abilities and functionality and I've worked this into like playable uh, animations and stuff like that, then my brain says, you're going to introduce all these things to a player. You're going to get to be them. They can't lose them. Therefore, you're going to then be able to use them still as Venom. So they're going to have, they're probably going to expand them and keep them, but you're now going to be Harry Osborne using those powers as Venom, like running around the city. But then, but then at the same time, if he's the enemy, it does get weird. Like maybe it starts off that Harry, that you end up being able to be Harry if he is Venom, Miles and Peter. Um, and then there's a point in the game at which that breaks and then you don't get to be Venom anymore. But no, I, I think, yeah, you, it's a good question. Like usually in yeah. a game, you don't take, I, that's not true. You can, in a game, introduce a shitload of powers that are awesome if you're going to give them back by the end of the game, uh, which is like the right. race, the, um, uh, what do we call it? Like, not Fast and Furious, what the hell am I talking like Need for Speed or like one of those like arcade-style races. You give someone a car that's super fast, great handling, has all of the NOS upgrades, then they crash, they get given a crappy little uh, Mini Cooper that can't do anything. Yeah. With the aim of... Actually, the abilities... Yes, the abilities, exactly right. So I can see them doing that. I can't see them, though, getting halfway through that game and going, I agree, this is epic. You've loved it. You are you are Venom. Bye-bye. The only yeah. way they can oh, do that is if they flip it and they give you something to fill it, something to fill that gap. Like, Miles gets a bunch of new powers. Spider-Man gets a bunch of new powers. But but then, and Miles is the one that already has the powers. Like, do you remember, he has the confusingly named Venom abilities yes. from Miles Morales. Yeah. So like, Peter's disappointed by the end. He could go. Could he go invisible in that as well? I can't really remember. Ooh, I can't remember. I can't remember. And it, but you've got other elements that kind of support this. Where like in the bit of the trailer we did see Venom doing shit. It looks like he's attacking um, Craven Craven's troops, Craven's forces. Yeah. And then Craven ends up being like an interesting person then who could like straddle the line as an uh, and. You know, an antagonistic force for both like Peter and Miles and Venom. So if you do play as Venom, there's someone for you who it makes sense for you to kill. Yeah, if Craven um, effectively is hunting Venom because he's like a yeah. he's a hunter, right? So maybe that's the ultimate prey is Venom. So you end up with a an unlikely alliance between Venom and the Spider Menses. Maybe. Yeah, I don't. Know. I think there's lots of interesting ways that it could go. I because I, even if I could see that even seeing that being a possibility i don't think you can end spider-man 2 with venom miles and peter or harry miles and peter or whatever it ends up being all being buddy buddy and like 
having three playable characters that you switch between. Because the other thing that they still need to do at some point is um, they need to give Norman Osborn the justification to turn into the Green Goblin, right? right. Yes. Yes. So, so, so maybe, maybe you orchestrate Maybe you do end up being able to play as all three for a bit, but then you have the separation and then something happens to Harry and that's the impetus for Green Goblin. I mean, yeah, there's so many ways they can yeah. go. Um, yeah, exactly. Even Mr. Negative is back very briefly because, of course, Miles has got beef with him mm. in the very first game. Um, he, you see him in the trailer in his human form. It is funny, though, like you said, they do seem to sort of introduce some characters and be like, be excited about this character. And I'm like, I've never heard of this person. Well, I'd never heard of Mr. Negative before. Um, that hap- well, that happened with me. Um, I did you play the um the Spider Man D- the Spider Man one DLC? Yes. So I didn't realize that there's a character that you see see one shot of, um, in the trailer, and it's a female character. And um, I saw a tweet going out like, "Oh, who is this?" Um, I don't recognize them. And everyone in the comments was like, "Oh, that's um that's Wraith," and Wraith is I forget her name. I'm just looking up Sables. No, it's it's the Asian woman who's like your 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 friend in the first game. Oh yeah, no, uh, the police officer. Yeah, you, she uh, turns bad. Yeah, she turns bad. So that's and the I, end of the of her. Yeah, there's a DLC where um she want to try. So so there's a bunch of people who are killed, and then you start to discover that actually weirdly you're like hold on, she's been weird. What's her name? I can't remember the the police officer's name. I mean, I, I'm looking it up now. Yuri Watanabe. Yuri, Yuri. So yeah, you you sort of talk to Yuri on the phone, and it becomes clear that right toward the end of the DLC that she's the one who's been killing these people. So she effectively becomes like a um, uh, uh what is it? A Dexter. So she she's like, I'm going to kill the bad guys because right. the law won't do it. And then Spider Man, not um, Miles, not Miles, Peter, the Spider Man, basically says. You can't do this, Yuri. This is terrible. And then you don't speak to her. It's the end of the DLC. So yeah, there's definitely unfinished business there. So now she's become a character called Wraith. Okay, I didn't. I've never heard of. Her. Yes. Um. You see. So you see Wraith. Um. Trevor in one of the trailers. Uh. Craven gets like a tablet out, gets his iPad out, and it shows him a scan of the city. And like, oh yeah, yeah. He's all the people that you could like potentially hunt here. Wraith shows up on that, like a little you know headshot of her, and then apparently there's also a shot of her. Uh, in this in this latest trailer i could talk i could definitely do without them bringing back any kind of what is her name the is it oddball or something the one who no the, the weird internet one who wants to take pictures of you for her social media and she has um i can't remember her name she, and she gets you to do stupid shit and you've got like beat up prisoners in front of things to get a good picture so that it goes was this in the dlc as well no this was just main game but it was i don't remember it at all there was Silver Sable, who you mentioned. There was Tombstone. There was Electro. Um, obviously, Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin. And Martin Lee, Mr. Negative. Uh, any Anyone in the chat, if you remember who the really fucking annoying um, straight... There was Task, Taskmaster. Was Taskmaster um, in there? Taskmaster was apparently... Uh, Taskmaster, I don't know if you see Taskmaster, but Taskmaster... He does, like, the combat challenges, I think. Yeah, but Taskmaster was oh, Taskmaster was also in Marvel's Avengers, wasn't he? Yes, but that's yeah, what yeah, you, fight, okay. you fight. You fight Taskmaster at the end of the opening mission of Marvel's Avengers, and he keeps coming back because they reuse characters. Yeah, well, everyone, yeah, everyone keeps coming up. Um, was it Screwball? Yes, Screwball. Yeah, 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 Screwball. Oh my Screwball. god, her channel was so black, annoying. Black cat. 
There was loads of characters in this that I forgot about. No, it was really good. So it's, it's funny, actually. I, I only platinumed it like a month ago. I think I had about one mission left to do of a DLC. A month ago? Yeah, because, and so I only reinstalled it because the kids wanted to play it. So I reinstalled it and I realized I had missed out one of the DLC missions. Um, and so it was the Yuri Watanabe one that I'd, I'd finished off. I think it was two. No, I think it was two missions of hers I had to do and like three screwball challenges. And I was like, oh, I remember why I didn't finish these because I fucking hate them. Okay. But anyway, sorry, we've got a little bit sidetracked. But uh, talking about Insomniac, we also have to mention the fact that not only are they uh, making Spider-Man 2, which is going to be coming out relatively soon, and Wolverine, uh, they apparently also have a cheeky little third title um, in the works uh, on a live stream hosted by Full Sail University um, that sort of was on last year, but then it's been sort of doing the rounds again. Um, project director Erin Eberhardt uh, claimed to be running uh, an unannounced project um, that was a AAA game um, from Insomniac. So we don't know what it is, but with a little bit of speculation and um, I suppose educated guessery, Jamie, um, yes. it's probably pretty likely that we'll be talking about a, a new Ratchet and Clank title because um, they were talking multiplayer. Uh, we know obviously how well Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart did and how everyone liked it um, and there's been talk about this possibly being a co-op version of uh, Ratchet and Clank where you might get to we were saying possibly play as Rivet um, or what's the little yeah. what's your little metal mate called that is kind Rivet. of that's Rivet Clank and... yeah Clank Clank is Ratchet's little mate that's I, I can't remember who I can't remember who Rivet's little mate was I couldn't remember which way round it was I always get confused between Ratchet and Clank as to who's who's like it's like oh yeah Dick and Dom or uh, Anand. The hint, the hint is that the Clank, the one, the thing that the onomatopoeia for metal is the one that's made of metal. Yeah, he'll write. And Rivet's little partner was called Kit, and Kit, Kit actually had one of my favorite kind of story arcs in that entire game. For anyone that remembers what Kit ends up he was doing cool. or or being, yeah, that yeah, was awesome. Kit was um, wicked, totally unexpected, yeah. but a nice little aside. Yeah, that Kit actually had some yeah. real depth and some character development. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, it was. That was awesome. Um. Insomniac have also worked on, uh, or they did work on um, Sunset Overdrive. And in 2021, the uh, Sony um, re-registered the trademark for um, Sunset Overdrive. So there has been some speculation which possibly Insomniac could be working on a new Sunset Overdrive game. But as uh, Jamie and I were chatting about this before the pod, and I mentioned, I would hate to see, because while Sunset Overdrive was fun and cool, um, the Suicide Squad game looks remarkably similar to sunset overdrive and that is one of the things that massively sort of worried me about it and put me off and so i don't like the idea that a new insomniac multiplayer game could look like mm -hmm. a current multiplayer title game which i'm really hoping is not going to be hot trash but could well be i'm hoping so too um but but i agree with you i think that although clearly sony probably did some of the homework to making sure that sunset overdrive was very much in this stable in case they ever want to go back uh to that for whatever reason in the future they can um i think that something in the ratchet and clank series seems far more likely here uh rift apart was certainly a critical success i always assume it was a commercial success as well um mm. I, I don't actually know that firsthand i don't know what the numbers were but you know in, insomniac had this reputation of, of being able to churn out software at a far higher rate than seemingly any other first-party studio at PlayStation, and yet it's always at a consistently very high quality. And Ratchet and Rift Apart was like a perfect example of that. Like one of the still to this day one of the most impressive and 
visually pleasing uh, PlayStation 5 titles and one of the only exclusively PlayStation 5 titles out there. Um, so I, th there's there's little to no chance to me that the Ratchet & Clank series or the Ratchet & Clank name falls by the wayside. So I think if you had to imagine a world where someone or, or a small group of people or even like a mid-sized team at Insomniac were kind of coming up with ideas for something else beyond Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine, it has to be the future of Ratchet & Clank. Especially if, as you mentioned, if it is a co-op game, because that's a, you know, that's a big shift to consider that, you know, might have uh, impacts on, like, the way that game plays or the way that game is structured. Um, but I think it's a logical move that, you know, the, um, I think, like, Ratchet & Clank has always had a very, you know, a lovable sort of, like, cast of characters to, to, to fall back upon, but Rivet & Kit was a very successful attempted put it this way they introduced a new character who you played as for like 50 percent of the game and no one got mad you don't see that that often in video games so why not double down on that and and make a you know co-op experience that you know probably doesn't satisfy the uh the you know the live service criteria that playstation are looking for nor should it but it's still a a, a bold and exciting way to kind of take that franchise into you know like it into into greener pastures I think you've nailed it, Jamie, um, but here's a little okay. bit of speculation for you. What mm -hmm. if they are looking for a title uh, with pedigree um, from a solid studio who are very good at uh, delivering on time and in a timely fashion, and they have said to them, we require uh, a Ratchet and Clank game of quality that is going to be the first PlayStation 5 Pro first-party title which um, we want to put out, and they're like, that is going to be Ratchet and Clang multiplayer, and it's going to be 60 FPS, 4K. Oh it's going to run lovely, and then people are going to be saying to themselves, "I've really got to get a PS5 Pro so I can play the new Ratchet and Clang." But then, I mean, it's it's possible. I would say though that if the rumors that we discussed earlier about the PS4, PS4, PS5 Pro's release date are accurate, then getting a new Ratchet and Clang game out next Christmas, next fall, sounds very punchy. I think I, I, I'm not anyone was going to do it. I'm not. I, I I agree with you. But I, I think, and I don't mean to get anyone's dick card with this, but I think if any Insomniac game was going to be a PS5 Pro launch title at this rate, isn't it Wolverine? Like, isn't Wolverine the game that like it looks most likely to come out next Christmas? No. Oh no. Yes. Yeah. No. I agree with the time frame, but as a PS5, not like I don't think they make an exclusive, but as a PS5 Pro title game. I feel like it'd be wrong to say that's Wolverine when Wolverine's already been announced so far ahead of a PS5 Pro announced. Well, I almost looking to put those things together. Yeah, but that's that's inevitable. Like at this point, games are announced like four years before they come out. Yes. Consoles are announced like a year before they come out. That's just the weird way it works. That, that, what if you were going to do it? We we already know. Like consider if this console comes out in a year and four months, we already know about the big must-buy game that will take advantage of this other hardware. Yeah, that's fair. Of course. Yeah, we must. Like you said, the time frames don't really match up. But if someone was going to do it, it would be Insomniac Games. The, 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 yeah. They seem to defy all sort of like commonly held, you know, preconceptions about game development uh, or what's possible on next-gen hardware and how many games a, a team could be working on at once. I mean, we, we literally joked the other week about how they're averaging... A, a new a new AAA video game every year or two, 
and this is only looking to increase um, that number, increase that volume. It's crazy. Well, Jamie, uh, from one studio that um, never fails uh, to wow us to one which often often does uh, fail to wow us. Uh, that's a bit. That's a bit mean. That's a bit mean. But I'm talking about Ubisoft um, because Ubisoft have been in the news this week for something they'd probably rather not be. Um, which maybe they didn't think was that you know that bad when they sort of said it. But a few people have had a bit of a reaction, and this is the fact that Ubisoft have contacted some users by email, it seems, um, to tell them that their accounts are going to be closed down within 30 days if they don't uh, click on a link, um, log in, and effectively use those accounts. Uh, there was a Twitter user who put up a copy of the email, which showed that Ubisoft were effectively telling this person, um, if you don't do this, we're going to cancel your account. And they were then asked, you know, what the hell is going on? And they've said that according to local laws with regards to like GDPR, data protection and things like that, and keeping their um, their systems updated with user information, that long-term dormant accounts were going to have to be closed down. Um, and so some people were... I suppose if you haven't been using your account for a long time, maybe it's a little bit much to say that you should be annoyed about this. But I think I would be annoyed about this if I had a random email. Um, maybe I've just not checked out Ubisoft game for a couple of years and then I'm being told, bye-bye, Birdie. We're closing all your stuff down and we're um, we're yeeting you from uh, Ubisoft servers. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Is this... Uh... No, I, I, th I think that frustration will be totally justified. I think this is bullshit. Like, I understand that the GDPR rules and laws are extremely complicated and that you know most companies are working overtime to not fall foul of any of them but the idea of ubisoft putting some arbitrary amount of time on it whatever it is let's say it is four years and saying you know we don't want to be responsible for holding on to that information for that period of time and the best solution that we possibly have for a, you know for, for this whole mess is just to close that account wipe all that information including you know, the, the access to or the uh, purchases attached to that account, you know, the, the proof of purchase, you know, the, the right to redeem those games or whatever, whatever, however you want to put it. I, it that's that's crazy. Like, that, that's that, like, I, I think that there has to, not, not only does there have to be a better way, I'm 99% sure there is a better way. And I think other digital game storefronts like Steam and, and Epic, and this is something I've only seen sort of like, written about sparingly here and there on social media have other means of going about this where they can avoid you know the you know falling foul of some gdpr regulations without closing people's accounts wholesale and like i it just it's it's a scary idea given what we were talking about last year last week the the environment we live in when it comes to the degree of ownership we have over the software that we buy the fact that we're already in, in a system where we're essentially just licensing software from storefronts that we hope don't disappear and you know one of the kind of deals with the devil we have to make in that process is we're essentially agreeing to these you know you know these unwritten contracts that you know that our, our our ownership of these video games and our right to be able to download or play these games can be taken away from us at any moment that's just the nature of the beast and it's a scary nature of the beast but still this feels like a muscle that ubisoft don't need to flex there has to be a better way um, and to go about it so nonchalantly as well, where, again, from what I've seen, there, there isn't really much official chatter or official documentation about this. This A lot of the information we're getting out of this is Ubisoft supports Twitter you know, account replying to people and reply to people in a pretty matter-of-fact way. Like, oh yeah, if you don't log on the next half an hour, 
we're going to close your account and you're going to lose access to every game you've ever bought through our storefront. It just, like, I, I, it seems like bullshit to me and I don't like it. So I was, I'm just trying to find the exact wording and I'm scared about clicking on the link I've got open in case I break everything. Um, so you to put some time frames onto it. So Ubisoft have said any account, I think as you just said, Jamie, any account which has been used in the last four years should be fine. But if account is has not been used for more than four years, and if they have strong reason to believe that accounts uh, that the account in question will remain unused, then they are sending out this this warning saying that you've got thirty days. They have then said, however, and this is where it gets a little uh, ambiguous. Um, they've apparently said that uh, if you've got purchases like PC games, for example, that you've purchased through this account, that they won't be. Um, they they won't be deleting or won't it won't be um what's the word they won't be open for being deleted at all but that mm. doesn't apparently fit with what some other people have said so you've either got this four year date of like even if you've made purchases it can all be 86 if you haven't touched it for four years but then if you actually go to ubisoft's um uh own web page maybe or uh, maybe inter- and will be interesting maybe they've updated this to effectively maybe. say that if you've made game purchases through that um for like pc games and things like that that they will not find those um, that you are at risk of having your account closed. But I think, as you just said, that's all at their whim, though. Like, that's today. Yeah. What, what if they change their mind? And what if in six months' time they say, do you know what? The furor has died down. We are now going to say, no, if your account hasn't been used for four years, um, we are going to close your access to those yeah. games. We're going to stop you being open to it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a scary thing in the modern age of digital games. Um, I think there was a report that we... I don't think we ended up covering last week, but um, I think 86% of classic games are uh, are at risk of going extinct, I think was the sort of headline. Um, yeah. That, that I saw. And that number's probably going to grow, right? Like, to a certain extent. Maybe not with more recent titles. We are getting better at sort of preserving games as we go now. Uh, there's increased awareness around that push. But yeah, like what when I described signing up for a digital storefront and making purchases such as the ones that you can make on Ubisoft's uh, digital store as making a deal with the devil. You know, it sounds like a, a bit of, you know, hyperbole, and it is to a certain extent. But it's exactly what you said. We are still at their whim, and it, it would, like... And a lot of the time, we feel somewhat secure because um, the only thing we need to worry about are bad decisions, and people at the moment, as much as there is some confusion about what the, the ruling actually is, and there's contradictory information out there in terms of what Ubisoft are communicating or not communicating. Um, but what we really have to worry about is when the bad decisions are actually taken out of these companies' hands and there are things that go beyond their decision-making capacity. For example, and this is something we've you know talked about in the past before, the day you know Ubisoft uh, fucking bite the bullet, the day Ubisoft declared bankruptcy and shut down and everything, the storefront gets shut down and you're not able to re-download games that you've you know, you've bought in the past because they're not hosted anywhere. Like we have to, like we have to deal with this, you know, reality now. That again, we are we we lease software from companies that we hope will honor those agreements indefinitely. But um, there's always going to be chinks in that chain, and 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 people are experiencing some of them firsthand. I think that with a lot of cases, as as you've as you've explored there with some of the additional information you shared. These are probably very unique and very rare cases that are often uh, blown up and overstated on social media because people like myself love to get um, overexcited and over angry, perhaps. Um, 
and and sort of jump off the handlebars a little bit. But it is still a, it is still a reminder of how this all functions. That like shit can get taken away from you at a moment's notice, and when there's money on the line and software on the line and entitlements on the line, that's a real scary prospect. It's also a strange thing to sort of consider this in the realm of gaming when like we've just been talking about. Uh, I think, blimey, maybe you even gave the time frame of, you know, there, there's probably four years between a game's announcement and when you actually get to play it. Um, and if they're talking about four years, you know, if you've not played a, uh, anything of ours for four years, then uh, your account could get closed. So then you get to a strange situation where there may be four years between the last Ubisoft game that you played. Um, there could easily be four years before there's another Ubisoft game that you want to play, but you are, an, you know, a fan of a, of a particular series. And hey, they they delete your account because you haven't played it with the four years. But you're like, but I played your last game. Like, what? Just because yeah. I didn't want to, or I last played your last game in that franchise. Just because I didn't want to play three other games that I've got no interest in and are completely different, which is is kind of is strange. And when you when you sort of blame it on GDPR data protection, surely the answer is get better protection, like get better, you know, licensing. Um, yeah, do, do get you're better GDPR like management systems or whatever. I'm just looking now, I'm reminding myself of Ubisoft games that came out in 2018. Like, you could have jumped onto the Ubisoft store and bought games that I'm sure when I say them out loud will still feel fairly recent to some people, like Far Cry 5 or South Park The Fractured But Whole or uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Starlink Battle for Atlas, and of course the Smash hit just starts 2019. <laughs> Even going into, you know, Far Cry New Dawn and Trials Rising, all of these games now are older. Tom Clancy's the the, the Division Two. I don't know why I did the Tom Clancy's part, but I did. All of these games are now old, older than four years old. Like the idea that someone could have like set, maybe made a Ubisoft account, bought and downloaded Assassin's Creed Odyssey because it was the first Assassin's Creed game in a while, and maybe the only Assassin's Creed game since then that had appealed to them, and now they're getting these emails, and like. That sounds like the kind of email that I might like see in my inbox and just kind of like skim over. I'm like, oh, right. you Ubisoft are emailing me 30 days, but they probably got some fucking sale on. And yeah, next thing I know, my account's gone on my puts. Again, like if it worked, if it was as black and white as, as some people are trying to make it out to be, that is, that's that seems fucked to me. But then, yeah. There it also sounds like a scam email. Uh, we're going to we're gonna delete your account in 30 days if you don't click this link. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, there's a Nigerian there's a Nigerian prince who is the only one who could possibly save your account. If you want to maintain yeah. access to Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you need to wire. Um, yeah, I'd, yeah, exactly. That, that that is that's quite funny. I hadn't even considered it from that angle, but until now, but yeah, I, I I could absolutely imagine people just sort of glossing over that email, being like, whatever. But um, yes. Well, uh, there you go. It seems like every week there's another story about sort of digital games and how the whole thing's going to go tits up at some point and we're all going to be annoyed. Oh, yeah, and, exactly. And stressed out I, about it. You know what the, the single biggest threat to my ability to maintain ownership of the digital games that I've already bought is is for the future? What's that? Remembering my passwords to all these fucking launches. That, I, it, yes. It's a joke. I don't remember my fucking Battle.net login, you idiot. You want me to log in? I've got no idea how I log in. Like, yeah. I'm going to have to try and remember the password to the email address that I don't even use anymore to go so I can recover recover my password to Ubisoft Connect, which I haven't used in like three years. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute... Yeah. That's why I, I don't think I've ever like uh, claimed or whatever an, an Amazon Prime gaming reward. 
It's like, you're asking me to remember. <laughs> I'd love that ship in Destiny 2, but this is one too many passwords. It is. Yeah, it is. And, it, and this is all set up so that we end up using our faces to log into everything, and then they'll have us buy all of the information, Jamie, and then they can control yeah. us. It's, yeah, it's they, 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 got, they got the fingerprints, they moved on to the faces, who knows what's next. The buttholes. Balls and buttholes. I, which would be more um, hygienic? Balls. I, I feel like my, my balls are more hygienic than my butthole. Oh yeah. By virtue of the fact that poo comes out of my butthole. Yeah, and also how would you the butthole thing? You'd have to like insert something to make sure it was your butthole. And yeah. I thought they'd be doing that. Oh, imagine like an iPhone with like a like a little holder at the bottom, like for perfectly like shaped for a pair of Arabian goggles, and you just have to <laughs> teabag your nutsack onto an iPhone, and it reads your scrot, and it's like, yep, yeah, you're in. Yeah, and then that would you know when you like annoyingly your phone kind of locks itself after like a like thirty seconds and you're like oh you've got to re unlock it. That's a little bit more yeah. annoying when you've got to teabag your phone. Isn't it? Yeah, just exactly. At the moment, you just have to look at it, which feels stupid as well when you know it wants your face, so you have to do the thing where you just look at it for a split second. Like, yes, it is still me. I'm still the one holding my phone. And maybe it, uh, that 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 I I don't I find it really weird that I've never heard. The, but if you get, I'm trying to think. So let's say you got arrested for something, okay, and you hadn't done or had done or whatever. It wasn't even that bad. Mm, that seems okay. so bad when like the police could just like hold you. Say they used to be like, "Give me your password to your phone," and you'd say, "No, I'm not giving you my password to my phone." And then they would contact oh, right. Apple and go, "Give us their password." They'd, and Apple, would they, go, they'd message Tim Cook and be like, "No, we don't. We can't do that." Yeah, exactly. Nowadays, they just do they just show your face and you're like. You bastards! You can't do that. That do you know what that has probably happened? Someone will be like, "Can you just like look at the look at this like look at that dot on the far wall for a second? And they really quickly put their phone in front of them and unlock it. You got to yeah. sit like this. Anytime the police interview you, you got to sit. That's the rule. Yeah, exactly. I'm like in, my lawyer. Like in uh, in Four Lions, when he does his various disguises, like he, when he's disguised as a woman or he's disguised as the IRA, and he has to has to cover up his beard so he can buy bleach. Um, it's made bombs. There, there, there's a great, there's a message that just got retracted. I don't know if it was by the person who posted it or wherever it is. Our, uh, for some reason, our, our, we've got a chatbot that like was worried about it. I don't know, but um, I like the comments. I'm going to say anyway, which was, "What if you've got the scrot system uh, to unlock your phone, but then you're outside and it's cold, and you uh, and it won't work because oh. everything's shriveled up, like Red Dead Two ball physics in real life." Um, <laughs> That's a good question. I think you'd have to have like, you would have to have a system that, it's it's, it's kind of like uh, like uh, the face ID. Like sometimes you could be pulling a bit of a face or yawning or like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Your hair might be shit or and it, it still mostly recognizes you. It would be like you know when you used to do the finger the th fingerprint. It would yeah. be like put your fingerprint up and down multiple times in like different ways. Yeah, you just have to do that with your scrot. You'd have to like push it. Put, like, this is the top of my scrot, this is the back of my scrot, this is the right, this is the left, and this is me rolling it around. Um, would it be like a little bag that you put it in, or would it just be that you roll your phone no, I'm just, around? I'm just imagining two, two like, indentations in the glass. Wow, okay. Yeah. Like I said, you know what I said? Like, it's like giving your phone a pair of Arabian goggles. Oh, yes. It's yeah. like you're just gently kind of, like, lowering... I'm, I'm imagining two eye sockets. Two eye sockets. Yeah. It's exactly that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, like, if you imagine a pair of sw swimming goggles inverted... And then imp imprinted into um, well, so maybe it's swimming goggles because my balls don't naturally go that far apart; they're perhaps slightly closer than than eyes. But actually, I guess that's where uh, that's what Arabian goggles are for. I guess is because they're it's a snug fit. 
Um, we, we've had another suggestion that maybe instead of the Arabian goggles, uh, you could have the helicopter in a specific pattern. Um, it's one. Oh. I'm going to. Yeah. I'm going to. I'm just going to have to flag up the misogyny which is coming out here because, of course, with the helicopter no. method and the Arabian goggles, how are the ladies going to access their uh, their mobile devices? This is come on, fellas. This is our. I mean. I was going to say they. How are they? They have bits that you could push up against potato as well, but some of them have more bits than others. Like so some bits. Are, that's that's some not why it works. No, but no, I'm saying with women, not everyone. Not. No, but that's what that's why it works. It's like a fingerprint. It's like everything's different. So you know. No, but what I'm, but it's like it can be very different. What I'm saying is like some people's, some some female genitalia are very expressive. And some people are very, um, as, 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 I'm using polite words, and some people are more, you know, uh, timid and introverted. I think that might um, be true of, of the fellas as well. Some, uh, yes. some but, every, but everything, but even if you're a very timid or introverted fella, everything's still external. Where some women are so timid, it's almost like it's... I I, you, you said that and I immediately thought of uh, some some programs I've seen about pretty much inverted males as well, so... Might be difficult. Uh, might have to have a. Um, might have to go for the butthole thing instead because everyone's got a butthole. You know, it's one thing that connects us and unites us all universally. We all have. We all have arseholes. I mean, what a pleasant note to um to, to finish wrap it back around on. Yeah, yeah. It's, we're getting we're getting weird. <laughs> um, well, anyway, thank yeah, you. See, we've look, that. I, I I hate to do the, to reference it, but what Rodrigo said is exactly what I was trying. I can't say it, Rodrigo, because I'm on a podcast that other people are going to listen to, but what, what Rodrigo's saying what I was thinking in the chat on YouTube. Yeah, I, I got what you were saying. I, uh, yeah, but yeah, there we okay. go. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for watching. Thank you if you are listening on the podcast platform or if you are watching us over at um, <laughs> uh, YouTube. Don't forget that you can reach out to us at Pod on Twitter or on YouTube. Um, you can DM us if you want to leave us a little uh, comment or something. Uh, you can slide into our DMs on X. Do we have to do this now every time we say it instead of Twitter? Oh, please. I, I, I'm still in that phase where I'm reminded of it every time it comes up and I'm unhappy. Like now when I go to Twitter on desktop, I get the little X animation for a second and I've got the X in the top corner now. And apparently tweets are going to be referred to as Xs, which that just sounds like it's going to be misconstrued in a lot of conversations had around the world. But Are they actually what? doing this? Is it actually happening? Bro, go on Twitter right now on your on your computer. You will get the, the the you'll get a little X animation that the logo in the top corner will be X on on your it's, phone though it's still it's still the fo- yeah, yeah the, the the phone the pho- I think well I think it's because on the phone it's an app right and so the app is not as fast to update or as easy to update as just the um fair the desktop version the website version but I'm looking at twitter.com right now and I've got an X in the top left corner. I'll have to have a look after because I don't. I don't want to risk was. breaking the sh- the stream at the last. Oh right, yeah, because your your mouse is probably still fucked as well. It might be right. This is going to be fun for everyone if we can't actually finish the podcast because I can't click on the end stream button. Um, but hey, we're soon going to find out. Uh, but no, thank you to everyone for watching. Thank you to everyone um, uh, who joined us in the live chat. Um, uh, it's always fun to have you guys uh, joining joining along. Yes, yeah, mate. Another another update. Uh, X dot com just redirects to Twitter now. Does it? Yeah, oh, I think that was part of the thing is that Elon had the X dot com URL the whole time because uh, he wanted to call PayPal X at some point, and someone he called his kid it. X, didn't he? I don't know. Along with a bunch of other symbols, right? Yeah, 
it's, and you, you pronounce it like ash, X ash, some, I can't even remember. But yeah, I think it starts with an X. Oh, I was about to look it up like on Wikipedia, like he's got like one kid, but no, he's got 10 kids. My bad. Yeah, he's, he, he puts it around. It's X and then the A and E that are together and then A dash 12. Right. Oh, yes. And that was, then that was, then, then it would changed it so that the 12 was Roman numerals rather than a number. Um, right. Yeah. Um, what shit. God, what an interesting fella. Yeah. He sounds like the kind of guy that would change the name of Twitter to X. It really does. It really does. Yeah. Um, yeah thank you, everyone. Thank you to our uh, uh, Patreons um, or patrons over at patreon.com uh, for supporting us. And we will see you probably the same time again next week. Uh, thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you for being here and being awesome as always. Uh, thank you, Jamesy. You smashed it. Cheers. See ya. Bye.